Welcome to Next Level Greatness. Today we have a very special guest. I have been speaking about rapid resolution therapy and Dr. Connolly for, well, since I started back in, since I discovered it back in May. And today we have the honor and privilege of having him on as a guest. So welcome, Dr. Connolly. Hey, Barbie, it's great to be here with you. Thanks so much for making this happen. Yeah, I'm so excited for the world and my community to discover you. So let's jump right in. So first of all, I discovered you through Andrea Crowder and Catherine Zinkina, and you helped me immensely with my stuckness around fatigue. I kept being in a loop around if I'm tired, it must mean that I'm sick. If I'm tired, it must mean that I'm sick. And we had, you and I had three sessions and I honestly didn't know if it made a difference in the first few days, but something miraculous happened about two weeks later, I started being less fatigued and three weeks in my energy levels have steadily increased and I am doing so much better. And since then, I've worked on other things. I've begun the certification process because I so believe in what you do. So let's begin with that question. What is rapid resolution therapy and how does it, how is it different from other traditional modalities? Because you got spicy when I asked you that last time. So let's bring on the chili peppers here. <laughs> wow. That that was the most wonderful description of this process and your experience and things like that. I'm so into it. I when it ended, I'm going no, I'm not ready. Keep this going. This is like the the best, like most appreciative monologue ever. You asked something about how is RRT different or what. Yeah, what is it, first of all, because I, I don't know if I've ever said what Let it is. Let me start there. It, RRT is a perspective and series of processes and techniques that have been very effectively used to promote people's being, where we have a, a way of causing things to happen that causes the kinds of shifts people would benefit from to happen in, in a way that feels automatic and natural. It just happens. We are bypassing things like willpower and moving past self-control to how one can integrate with oneself and be inspired rather than controlled. So after you said that, that made me think of the sessions that you showed parts of a session with a man who had been through 9-11. He was a first responder and I, he was really struggling just to exist. He had lost so many men, part of his team, and then there was just so many lives lost. And you took him through the process and you didn't re-traumatize him and within what was it a session or two he couldn't access the grief and the pain it was so beautiful 
Yes, it was one. It was one meeting, and thank you so much, Barbie. The, in terms of what people are calling trauma, the process that we're utilizing, people who have had the experience of being trained in the RRT process are utilizing, just works with a very different framework. The additional psychotherapy, we are beginning with the idea that things ought to be working well for you. Mm-hmm. And if they're not working well for you, something is wrong to be investigated. And then there's investigation into what's going wrong here. Then lots of investigation that often is happening because of something we could call self-analysis or introspection or joint analysis between the the counselor and and that person, and a lot of figuring oneself out. Uh, And then a lot of feeling that the, the belief is the reason people aren't doing so well is because they had troubling experiences and the feelings from those troubling experiences haven't been released yet. And Mm -hmm. so the therapist who's looking at things that way is going to want to create what they, I guess they call it a safe space in which the uh, client is encouraged to relive and feel the pain that didn't get felt at the time. I think that's it. I, I think I finally spit it out in a way that made some sense to myself, at least. Feel the pain that didn't get felt at the time. You don't have to feel what did get felt, because you already yeah. got it felt. But what there is to feel is the pain that you haven't felt. And if the therapist can help you to and encourage you to, uh, to feel that pain, then you'll be okay. And so that's why therapy would be considered something that would be significantly painful um yeah uh, and and, yeah painful and take quite a long time and i think require significant intelligence yes and i can tell you that i've i did therapy for probably nine years at a at a time like something i did i don't i did psychoanalysis i guess i don't even know what it was i was in my 20s and early 30s and I don't really know what I got out of out what I got out of it other than figuring myself out. It was just a, a process that never ended. And there was a lot of blaming. And I don't know what it actually did. And what I've seen through being in, in your training sessions is women who have gone through significant um, can we call it trauma, such as rape that when you take them through the process, they're not crying, they're not reliving the experience. In fact, they're laughing, you're funny as heck. And when you ask them to try to access the pain, they're not actually able to. It's really just- Thank you, Barbie, there are tears, but there there are relief tears. Those are, that's the whole beautiful kind of tear as mind is rinsing free of distortion and achieving clarity. I was saying that's the way that other people view 
that, that there's that the problem is that some of the pain didn't get felt. The way I'm understanding things is different. I believe that the mind causes emotion, sensation, thought, impulse, and habit in order to cause a behavior in order to address a situation. And I believe that if somebody is experiencing turmoil because of something that has happened, then mind is causing all of those emotions in order to get that individual to take an action, generally an action that doesn't have to be taken about something that doesn't need to be addressed and doesn't have any meaning and doesn't even exist. Yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine how somebody would sit and introspect and come up with this as a process to take care of something for them. It's nothing you would arrive at your own. That's why the RRT facilitator takes full responsibility for causing the shift to take place. When I meet with somebody and we determine what it is that where it is we're going and that intention is set i'll say okay that's the intention and that's my expectation and that's what i'll take full responsibility for causing that's that, what i'll take full responsibility for causing that i don't think you hear much in the people change business no what we do hear in the people change business as you said is you're responsible to for getting all the results. And something that really struck out was when you talked about uh, drug addiction, for example, and rehab centers, what typically happens in these centers versus what you think ought to happen. Do you remember that conversation or what you your thoughts on that? I, I'm trying to remember the beginning of this conversation. Uh, why are we all over the place? <laughs> no, we're not. No, that's not about your conversation. It's just about my memory. So oh, if oh, I can't oh, remember this, I'm not remembering that. Yeah. But I can comment on any comment yes. you have. You're funny. You got me. You got me. What part of it should I speak to? Yeah, to the part that in with drug addiction, for example, people are left to examine themselves and talk about their problems versus go do things and move your body. Yeah, I, I've been consulting at a very deep level with um, a number of treatment centers for substance abuse and quite a few people who are doing that and then con consulting with me. And I'm realizing... <laughs> That's just what's going on in that facility while somebody is moving through maybe withdrawal from a, an addictive substance, they're encouraged to really sort through um, their lives and describe and experience and, and, and feel the emotions from previous experiences that were that were painful and we would move in an opposite direction. One, I take responsibility to cause the shift. The shift is going to happen in the way that mind 
processes information that isn't conscious. How could I hold somebody to be responsible or accountable to cause and maintain a shift that they don't even have conscious awareness of? So you'd be conscious of the results. You'd be conscious that now when you walk into the meeting room, you feel, oh, this is a fun place to meet people and share my ideas. Yes. Rather than feeling terrified or you're conscious that when you sit down to focus on learning or reading, accomplishing something, that there's this laser focus. So it becomes my job to cause things to shift within individuals so that the quality of that person's life goes dramatically up. That's what I intend and expect to do when when I'm meeting with people. Yes. And that's what I have personally experienced as a client or as a patient and also seen in other people. It's almost as if they are closing a bunch of tabs that have been taking up energy everywhere else. And so there is just more spaciousness. And I believe that this is where my energy is coming from, that I'm not busy trying to figure things out in the past that I can no longer change. And you Yes, can't- it's flowing for you now. And when the, I like your description, the tabs are open. When those tabs are open, mind hasn't gotten the good news that this thing is finished. Mm completed and therefore not in existence and therefore it doesn't need anything done about it and therefore if somebody's thinking about it that's troubling i'm distracted by my thoughts about how that should never have happened yes but not thinking about it that's better off but it's still running in the background sucking the juice so we look to quickly and painlessly clear the troubling influence that prior experiences continue to have on people's lives, even when those experiences, when there's no conscious recollection of them. Oh, I love this so much, and it applies to pretty much every area of life, doesn't it? So what does RRT, what can RRT be helpful for in in what kinds of situations? Well, who could benefit? So if you're experiencing what we call stuckness, that means my life would be better if I would stop doing this, feeling this, thinking this, or if I could start doing it, it would be so much better I know it's something I should do, but it's not something I do. That person then is stuck. I know I'd, it's not useful <laughs> to feel this way. I figured that out, but I still feel this way. Yeah. Um, stuckness or turmoil, uh, meaning if your emotions just are raw and hurting, if they're our experiences like resentment and jealousy and fearfulness and anxiety and self-consciousness, social awkwardness, fear of showing up. If you're experiencing things like that, in my book, that means you're normal. 
I was going to say, yeah, this is like most of the population, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that means to me normal, but I would agree it doesn't seem so wonderful. Mm. Yes, I think those things are normal as, a, as opposed to thinking that if people are experiencing things like that, that they're injured or sick which is how the mental health industry approaches that. If you have gotten a diagnosis and if you've gotten any reimbursement from your medical insurance, it's because it's been diagnosed as a mental illness, not physical illness. Just to have to be believe in someone's sickness in order to improve their being, it's certainly a detour and, and one that I used to do that. I used to do that. I was, I went right through all that, did that stuff. But it's lovely to be free of that and find ways to connect and lift and improve things. So we have people come in who are, I, I met recently with a wonderful fella, a pro golfer, who's really top-notch guy. He's not, he's still in his teens and he's, he's breaking records. And people who, super surfers and tennis people and uh, all, all these kind of things, people who are doing something well, they want to do it better. Yeah. Uh, people who are writers, performers, they're doing it well, they want to do it better. Unlock more creativity, unlock more energy, more excitement, so that, uh, there are more ideas so that there's uh, an ability to sort them and be on the doing of something that causes satisfaction and, mm -hmm. and, and fun. I believe that the causing of that transformation is up to me. Mm. You're speaking my love language right there, the high performance stuff. That is so exciting to me. And something happened yesterday. I was actually listening to something, one of Andrea's programs, and she applies RRT, obviously, to her work. And I was doing it while getting acupuncture. I don't know if that was a good or bad idea. But let me tell you, my channels opened up. And I was so creative. I felt like I was on mushrooms. I left that place. And I was just like, so incredibly creative and I was just like writing and writing and I was like I didn't take any drugs this was like just I think it was the rapid resolution therapy it 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 addressed things that we're talking about high performance so for someone that is like the pro golfer or a, a, a surfer they're already doing well and they want to elevate their game because this is also a business podcast. How, can we speak a little bit more about that? How does that process work? I don't know if that's a good question, but I'm super curious and interested about it. So someone that is already very elevated in their game and they want to improve the game, what is the process there for you with RRT? Sure. I'd want to really listen and understand what's going on currently, what's working, what's not, where there's any kind of turmoil, stuckness, frustration, but also what's working, what's satisfying. And then I begin to think about what's the way that person is experiencing things. So there are things 
And then there's the way people experience things. Things I don't have much control over in other people's worlds. But what I can do is shift, change, improve the way the mind processes the stuff, the way it processes the data about the stuff. Our minds are taking in information and then responding to the information by causing emotions and feelings and what have you to cause behaviors to serve the directive, which is pretty much uh, survive and sometimes thrive. So all that's going on. The I believe that the system, the way the mind is working, is more advanced than any other life form on this planet, but also is highly dysfunctional. Out of the box, it doesn't work very well, even though it, it's contradictory. It, it can We can do amazing things like build London. Yeah. And then we could figure out how to do things like bomb London. So it's there's clearly a dysfunction. And people don't choose that. And I don't think that the key is to be telling people that they should take responsibility for themselves and assume the responsibility, which read that as blame, in order to do that to move forward. I think that it becomes my job to shift, to turn the dials, if you will, to cause there to be a difference in the way that someone is experiencing things unconsciously, automatically. And then the other difference is, hey, I feel different. I'm acting different. I'm having more fun. I have so much more energy. Those things are just experienced and, and appreciated rather than being something somebody feels they're working on. Yes, absolutely. People go to therapy to work on joyfulness. It seems a little bit of, <laughs> how do you do both? Yes, I. as you were saying this, I just had a flashback. May I tell you about a dream that I had recently? And this was- You can tell me all your dreams, sir. So I had a, a dream. First of all, I decided that, or I realized, I, this. I don't know if this is self-reflection, but I realized that I'm 49 years old and I realized that there was a little part of me, uh, okay, there's a whole of me. There's only one of me because I know what you say about parts, but there was, oh, I can't help saying it, but there was a part of me. I'm just going to say it. You can correct me that felt, oh man, I've forgotten about the magic. And I was watching someone that is 30 years old, just full of wonder and magic and really plugged in. And so the experiences that come into her life are very magical and just huge results and I decided to plug back and it was a decision for me. I decided to plug back into the magic and I do rapid resolution therapy. So my dream was I was somewhere, I don't know where in a city, it was a new city. And this dinosaur size horse that reminded me of my old dog, Julius, but it was actually a camel but I thought it was a horse in the dream and it was beige and it was gigantic. And he want, he comes over to kiss me 
and his big camel horse lip like envelops my head and I don't even mind. And I'm like, whoa, this is really cool. And I look to the left and I see these, again, dinosaur size pink ostriches, which are the mythical animals that you talk about when you ask us to choose a mythical animal or creature. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I didn't have my phone. I wanted to capture it because I wanted to be able to tell other people my interpretation of this is here I am, because I am I am a product of a lot of therapy, probably, right? Is that my subconscious was just open to the magic. I believe that something was happening there with my subconscious. What does Dr. Connolly say about that? I think that one of the things that psychologists really got right, meaning I agree with, is that what you notice increases and that what you notice with displeasure increases too. So when you think of when I like what the dog did, I respond and go, good boy, and jump around and say good. And when I don't, I scowl and go bad. And there's emotion with both. They're both reinforcing more of the behavior, whatever it was. Yes. The point being that if we start from the point of view that things ought to be good, and so we better do investigations into whatever isn't good, then the investigation is casting light, interest, curiosity toward what isn't working. And it's just to continue digging into what doesn't work in order to find a solution. It's like doing a deep dive into understanding the structure of poverty in order to gain wealth. And so instead from outside, I know some things about how mind works so that we can just adjust it so that, for instance, the thing somebody thinks they ought to do gets adjusted to be something he feels like doing. That that kind of adjustment. Yes, uh, like social media, right? So if we're talking about business, for example, I you, I've heard you talk about that. Some people feel an obligation or they feel anxiety around posting, and then you were able to work with them and shift, oh, this is something that I actually want to do. People think of there being those who are motivated. Yes. And those who are unmotivated. But all of your languaging and where you put your noticing and enthusiasm, Barbie, is incredibly powerful motivation for people. So I, I'm listening to you and I you ask me all these deep questions and I get distracted by how effectively you think and influence and just how you use inflection, how you move, how you how you're bringing people to where you intend for them to be and how you just have this vision for people's prosperity and being, and then they get lifted up to it while they're hearing you while they're doing something else. Who knows? Probably she's in the tub or something, don't you think? Uh -oh. so ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Connolly just exhibited 
the magic. This, what he just, rewind this 20 seconds. This is the magic. He was just doing it. He was intending and causing the result for you. And so here I am like smiling from ear to ear, thinking that he's complimenting me. And then I'm like, wait, he's doing his magic. This is the strategy. But I want to accept that if it's a compliment anyway. Just totally was. So one of the things I had in my notes was that people are often, so I said people often talk about motivation and are waiting to feel motivated to take action. And maybe one of the main concepts that I've learned is something is good to do and good to have done. Like how does that cause how does that figure into everything and and getting things done and wanting to do them? Because that's very helpful for me. Yes. I'm going to go right to that. And, And I would say that it concerns me when people in the educational industry and mental health industry and coaching industry and substance abuse industry explain away their failures to be useful to people by describing a lack of motivation. Whereas it would seem to me that those of us in those industries would perhaps accomplish more if we shouldered our own responsibility. And it's not my responsibility to wait for the motivated kids to come. It's my responsibility to be motivating. And it would be wonderful if kids went to schools where people thought it was their responsibility to be motivating. And then, uh, I want to highlight, underscore everything that you're saying right now. Yes. Well, my intention is that your mind, Barbie, entertain what will be good to have done and possible to do good to have done and possible to do. And that as it entertains that, then it begins to add interest. It adds interest and then appeal. So now it will be good to have done. It's possible to do. It's really interesting and it's appealing. It's possible, it's appealing, it's right there, you can do it, it's possible. And that moves toward the creation of the desire that goes into the action. And that's action that has been inspired. And I think what we, where we fail is we fail when we look to control our own and other people's actions through control rather than through inspiration. Think of you have a hundred soldiers under your command and you're going to do your best to control each one of them, meaning the movements of this one, control this, control that, control every drumbeat. It's overwhelming. To, to even control one of them, much less all of them. However, you can inspire that hundred and thousands more. And with inspiration, create a much 
greater magnet, a greater pull, greater impact than, than looking to control at all. So one of the things I find is people are, well, they haven't heard of, of uh, the other. They're looking for self-control. People say, I, I know I need to make myself, I, I need to calm myself down so I can get myself to be um, uh, motivated and, and then get myself started so I could see if I could keep myself going. And and then they say, but but I have to be able to get some control over myself. So I need to certainly discipline myself and, and take responsibility for myself so that I can gain some control over myself. But my therapist tells me I need to love myself. And I sometimes think I don't really like myself, but Actually, I actually hate myself, and I have to love myself now. To, a lot of it can work, these, right? It's a mind fuck. Excuse my yeah, friend. crazy rabbit holes of stuff. Yeah, um, that people are led to be thinking about the solution to their experience from within themselves internally, from inside. Figuring yourself out from inside out is like giving yourself a really good back rub it's just hard to reach the good places yeah so when yes it's true and yet this is i've been in business for over 16 years and this is exactly everything that you're describing the people that have had incredible success and whatever success means financial success and experience the most joy have been the people that are not trying to figure themselves out. They're just taking the action. They're just doing the thing. They're not self-conscious. And then the people that are really struggling tend to be very self-conscious, trying to figure 20 steps out before they take the next step. And that's, I see that's where they get stuck. Um, and it's normal, right? Because this, this happens. Oh, yeah, it's all normal. Mm -hmm. Ain't wonderful. No. And is fixable. Yes, it is fixable. What's going on is like the lens is turned in. When people are thriving, you're outward. Yes, you're doing an, a, a beautiful job in our meeting in connection today. You're outward. You're constantly outward. You're obviously and amazingly outward. What you're not is inward. Now, it's interesting that if somebody is troubled, there have been times, I believe, Barbie, when you've been troubled. Yes. Or when you were, you were. And I bet you were inward. A hundred percent. And now you're outward. And you're fine. I'm thriving oh. because I'm out. outward. Yeah. So you were inward, wasn't working out too good for you, Barbie. And now you're outward and it couldn't be better. And so what happens when somebody goes to therapy? They're inward. The says, I'm slipping a little inward. <laughs> the therapist says, oh, not nearly enough. And the whole thing is designed to move you then from out to in. 
that's why people in a substance abuse treatment center are in groups all day long where they're thinking about themselves, talking about themselves, talking about their history and what they resent about their parents. That's that. That's it. You just, you nailed it. That's it. And that's when you said to me, they should be brushing a horse or cleaning up horse poop or whatever, doing or riding cats. a horse or breeding horses or doing things that take you out, skiing, growing something, swimming, wrestling, running, cleaning up the city, uh, anything that pulls you out, because out is where one would be looking for people who are overcoming addiction to be. Vision outward. Yes, vision outward, or having incredible success in their business. In the time that we've been talking, I can feel a shift within myself. This was a podcast for my audience, but I can, I hope that the, well, I don't have to hope anything because it's going to happen. I feel like ready to freaking conquer the world right now because I'm inspired and quote unquote motivated. And I just feel fantastic. And I feel outward. Dr. Connolly, this has been so amazing. How can people work with you, your center, you offer training certifications, that uh, something that is free. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you really contribute. Oh, thank you so much. So a one place to start is there is a group. It's available six times a month, and it's called Solutions. It's free, and wow. people attend, and many people have some kind of personal issue that they speak about and get some kind of shift or transformation as a result of that. That's a way to just wade right into this, watch it happening with people and see if what we're offering is something you like. We have resources on the website that are um, free to download. One is a, um, um, a recording on uh, mind-body healing and immune enhancement that was getting some really rave reviews. The first chapter of uh, at least one of the books, there are a couple of books available on Amazon. One is called Life-Changing Conversations, and the other is called Grief is Not Sacred. Those are good ways to learn more about what we're up to. And there are lots of people that come in because they would like their own lives to be free from the bondage of thoughts and emotions that cause suffering and actions that then cause more suffering and, and have their minds move in a, direct, a way that's clear and fun. And so people come for that reason, but people also come to learn to be able to use this process perhaps as a really interesting and satisfying career option because you can make real big differences in people's lives. And there are a whole lot of people that would like to have that happen. So it's a very useful thing to know how to offer that to, uh, to others. So those are the things we offer. It's at rapidresolutiontherapy.com, rapidresolutiontherapy.com. Okay. 
And thank you so much, Barbie. If somebody can't make it for one of your interviews, call me because this is like, I would do these endlessly with you. It's so much fun. You are amazing. The honor and pleasure has been mine. Thank you so much, Dr. Connolly. Take care, Barbie.